0: I'll tell you what. As you're getting your seat, could you grab your Bible, turn to Colossians chapter three? It's in page 984 in the book holders behind the seats. There, we're going to read the first 17 verses of that chapter. And what we just sang about um, is what so much of this series is about: Jesus Christ supreme. And we've been talking last Sunday, because He is supreme, because he's holy, because He is set apart, we're getting serious about sin. And because He is holy, because He is set apart, we're getting serious today. We're talking about uh, Christ's likeness And um, uh, this is the section in chapter 3 of Colossians that we're in that is such a how to do the Christian life. I love this stuff, it's so practical, it's so real, Uh, it's being driven out of the truths that we've seen in verses 1 through 4, and chapters 1 and 2 as well, and so uh, I want us to read this, and actually, could I ask us if we could do this, could we, uh, reading verses 1 through 17, could we stand, and uh, sorry about the up and down, but could we stand and just read this together, Uh, I'll read, you follow along in your Bible... Chapter 3, verse 1, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, which is seated at the right hand of God the Father. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God the Father. When, When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Bring that on. Verse 5, put to death, therefore, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, things like sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you two once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away, including things like anger and wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth, Do not lie to one another seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek or Jew circumcised and uncircumcised barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. Christ is all and in all. Here's our text for today. Put on then as God's chosen one as God's holy ones, as God's beloved ones. Put on then compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, and bearing with one another. And and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you are called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you ritually, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Lord, we pray as we dig into this passage that the practical call to be putting off and putting on, that we would understand it more, live it more, be it more, and more of it in us. Lord, it's all because of you, it's all about you, it's all for you, and I just pray more of that would be the reality in us as well. Thank you for this time together that we get to sing, that we get to be together and that we get to study your word together. May these verses just hit us in life in a real way. And for your glory, we pray these things in your name, amen. All right, Colossians 3, 1 through 17. Uh, Harvest, this is such an absolute foundational passage. These verses, and, and uh, they're just core to us. They're, they're core to knowing what the Christian life looks like. If you want to know what the Christian life is to be looking like, I'm talking just about a day-in, day-out follower of Jesus Christ. This is the kind of passage, and it depicts this. Colossians de- depicts gladiator warriors for Christ. That's what it depicts. Pastor Doug, you're always like wanting to bring Gladiator in this. Absolutely I am. <laughs> it's such a picture and a reality of what's going on. And, and it just helps us to understand that so often today the Christian life is portrayed and the Christian life is lived almost in a, commonly in a sissy pants, kind of a mamsy-pamsy, half-in, couch-potato kind of Christianity. And so, yeah, I'm bringing Gladiator in to try and turn that around and to get the sense of what it's really all about. I mean, there is a mission at hand, and we're to be going after it in that kind of a way. But it doesn't just depict it in a kind of a way just for you and me. It also depicts it from a standpoint of of what a church faith family should be looking like. This whole passage just says what a church should be looking like. So I would say, maybe as we talked last week, it looks more like this picture that we've got. Not just one person doing your own thing on your own. It's us together. I mean, that is the Christian life. God never, never has designed the Christian life to be a me-isolated thing and a you-isolated thing. And we do our little isolated things and yet we kind of stay isolated. That's never been God's design for what the Christian looks like. Never, we're to be together, and and it's to be all of life happening, and 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 it's to be in your home and in your work, and that's why starting next week within this series, because of where the text goes, we're going to spend a uh, next Sunday uh, Mother's Day talking to uh, Jesus Christ supreme uh, for wives and then for husbands. But I want for you to know that's for everybody. Just come, you'll be a part of it. You'll you'll know it's it, just do okay. Then after that, we're going to be talking about parenting. And then after that, we're going to be talking about Jesus Christ Supreme in work, and career, what that looks like. And, and as Rick mentioned, every one of those weeks, we're going to be having, we're calling a workshop. It's you know, the first two. The first one's a call to women. As Rick said, I want to reiterate that. Ladies, all of you come. High school on up, married, single, doesn't matter. Uh, my wife's going to be leading that. You're going to want to be here. It's just a time for women on that Monday night after Mother's Day. And then the next Sunday night is going to be the time for us guys. Guys, we're all getting together and we're going to have some time together. It's a face-down time together for all of us. I'm excited about that. And we do that because we're a faith family, because the Christian life is to be lived together. I need you, not just to pay my check or pay my, my my salary, but I need you as a follower of Christ and you need me and we need each other. And that's what we're seeing here in Colossians happening. And, and this passage is so foundational. I'm bringing all that on the table because I'll tell you, I just yearn for for the, the, these first 17 verses just to stick home for us. The truths of verses 1 through 4 that we have been raised with Christ, seated with Christ. We've been given a new identity and a new position and, and that drives us to a new orientation that we're to be putting off uh, things that are not Christ-like and putting on those traits that are Christ-like. And I've been wrestling this week. How can I help us as a church family just remember this? And so... Harvest second service. This is all in participatory declaration Sunday together. You are scared to death. All right. Second service, you're my timid service. All right. So here's, I'm going to help you along here. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to have all of us entering in this. We're going to spend some time together uh, declaring this, and then we're going to bring it all together at the end as well. And so I have a section for each of you to be, uh, a statement for each section to be declaring here. So first section, you're going to be declaring, what's that say? Okay, the whole thing. Okay, center section, what are you saying? Booyah. Hey, it's always hard to go first, isn't it? Leaders are always, you know, it's tough. All right, uh, section over here. Uh, what is yours? <laughs> All right, now, here's the deal. When gladiator warriors talk, and I know we're just practicing, but when gladiator warriors talk, they don't talk like they're forced to talk or like they're bored. Agreed? Okay, when gladiators are heading for war, man, they have a meeting together and they're talking before they get out on the field and they're like saying who they're about and what's at all. And I know you don't know what all this is uh, applying to, but we're going to do it. Just fake it with me, all right? So here's how we're going to do it. I'm going to work it with you here together. We're going to go through one more time and then come back and we're going to do it good. All right, hey, know this. Verses 1 through 4. In Christ, you've been given a new identity and a new position in Christ, and that leads to a whole new orientation. There's an echo. (laughs) Awesome, okay? Now, here's what I want for us to do when we do this your section stands, okay? Oh, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> I heard some bad attitudes. Put that off. <laughs> okay, all right. Hey, when you come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, by the way, if you're visiting today, you are freaking, aren't you? Um, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've come to that place where you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have been moved from being condemned in sin and separated from God to having a whole new idea identity and a whole new position in Christ and that results in having a whole new orientation in Christ. Okay, good. Okay. All right, let's get into the text. Here we go. Keep that in mind and follow along with us. Uh, Verses one through four, we've already talked about in Christ. I have a new identity, a new position. We talked about this on Easter Sunday. Raised with Christ. Where Christ is. A seek and set your minds on things that are above. That's a whole new orientation. And then that new orientation, the question out of that comes, well, what does that look like? And this is what's so cool about God and about Scripture. He answers that for us. And he starts answering that with verses 5 through 11. A whole new orientation looks like seeking, setting your minds on things above. That's carried out by putting off some things in our life. Putting off some things. Look at verse uh, 5. It says, put to death, therefore. And then in verse 8, the second imperative uh, call in that, it's put it all away. It's put it to death. Put it all away. Uh, that's the call that's going. It's not tackle sin. It's not deter sin or wound it or give sin a timeout. Say not these. It's not those. Instead, it's going after it and putting, a, making a decisive resolution to exterminate it. As we talked last week, it's about a decisive resolution to to to, to eradicate it. It's a decisive resolution to kill it to take out its very life. We talked then last Sunday, five reasons on why to kill it. But kill it. Now, before we go on to putting on, uh, two things I want to know. How many? Two things I want to know. Number one, I think this is really important. Put on is not as much the idea of finality as it is Tenacity. This is something this week that I've just been wrestling through. I'm like, something with the put off. Something's just not even sitting right with me here and even how I've been taught it and how how I taught it last Sunday and I think it's this idea because what happens is, is you can get so discouraged. Because I understand the text says put it to death, take its very life out of it. And we generally think, well, you know, if I'm going after sexual sin or I'm going after anger, wrath, or malice in me, it's the kind of thing Well, it says kill it, that means it should get to the place where it never happens again, right? Isn't that how we think about it? But wait a second, Romans 7, Paul says, I want to do what's right, but doggone it. It's like I don't. And I'm just going to tell you, I've never gotten to the place or sensual or social sins are no longer a temptation possibility. And when we think of the put it to death, oftentimes we think, I got it, I'm successful with it before the Lord when it no longer tempts me. But I think instead what, what, what Paul is really talking about, what really Scripture is talking about, is it's not the goal to never be tempted again. It's the goal to, when tempted, I fight like a gladiator warrior to kill it. And then that habit develops more and more. Never will sin, temptation ever leave you. But we're to be at a tenacity more and more and more of that in me. Does that help? I hope so. It's like I just see myself and with people, sometimes we get so discouraged that it's like, it's never gone. Short of heaven, it never will be. Okay? Secondly, just real quick, the Christian life is not only about putting off, but oftentimes in church and in Christianity, we can come across that way. It's kind of like uh, having a put-off mindset all the time, frankly, just leaves the legalism don't do that, stop that, don't do that. When we talk about parenting, Ephesians 6, 4, fathers, don't exasperate your kids. Do you just get to a point where it's like, I can't ever do anything right because it's always about don't do. And here in this, putting off is not the only thing. The goal is not put off only. The goal here is put off and put on, okay? So today is so important to it. In fact, I call it this. If you're a put off person, you're doing naked Christianity, Doug, Think about it. The verb put on literally is talking about clothing oneself. And when you have come to Christ and you've been redeemed, you've been given a new identity, new position, new orientation, you still have the the, the habits of sin, the clothing, the old clothing on, if you will. And that's the call. Take the old clothes off. But if you just take it off, dude, put some clothes on, Man. Please, for all of us, right? And so if you're a put-off only person, you are teaching naked Christianity. We don't like that. We really don't. Put some clothes on, man. That's where the text goes in here. So put some clothes on. What does it look like? We're 15 minutes in. Let's roll. Here we go. Verses 12 through 17. Put on and let and let and let. Just like last week. Let's follow the same pattern. What's the imperative call? What's the imperative call? Well, it comes in verse 12. The main central imperative call of the the paragraph is put on. You must put on. To clothe yourself, it means to envelop oneself in. Put some clothes on. Please, for all of us, put on. We just talked put off. Now the imperative call is put on. Why? Why put on? Well, two main reasons, I think. Number one is because of the then. Put on then. It's kind of like, therefore, it's, it's coming from the text before. And, and why put on? Well, because we've just been talking about putting off. Along with that, we've been talking uh, up in chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, that we have a whole new position and identity. And if I have my identity is in Christ, and if my position is in Christ, uh, you and I should be looking more and more like Christ. It's not just about putting off the old. It's putting on Christ-likeness. And so the then attaches to what's been called, been talked about before. I mean, chapters 1 and 2, we could even go all the way. Chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Therefore, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk in him. That's the call. After you receive Christ, growing in him, everybody's growing and changing. So because of the preceding context. Secondly, why clothe yourself? Because there's three titles in verse 12 that are really important for you and I. Why put on? Three reasons. Because you, if you are redeemed in Christ, three things. Number one, God's chosen ones. Some of you theological heads right now are going, oh, I can't wait for this talk.
1: Chosen ones. Elected. You've been chosen by God.
0: Underlying every person's response to the gospel of Jesus Christ, to God's free sovereign grace, is God's working and initiative. Underlying every person that has responded to God's free sovereign grace is his plan and his initiative. God is totally active in every person's response to repent and receive Christ. So Doug, Are you saying that you believe in election? I do. And that will now even be on the internet. So, Doug, are you saying that you do not believe in free choice? No. That's wrong. I am not saying that. So, Doug, are you saying you believe in election, predestination, and free will? Yes. I do. Doug... You can't do that. The two don't fit together. Hey, listen, free will in scripture. You need to receive Christ. You have a choice to make, John 1, 12. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Free will. John three sixteen. for God so loves the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him, that you have a choice. Romans 10, 9, and 10, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You have a choice to make. And if you haven't made that choice, hear me today, you need to receive Christ as your savior. But the scripture also talks about election. Psalm 139. (laughs) Every day has been ordained and God knows every word before you and I speak it. Ephesians 1, 4 through 5. From Paul. Combine it with Ephesians 2 1 through 10. You've been, you are chosen ones. 1 Thessalonians 1 4, 2 Thessalonians 2 13, 2 Timothy 1 9, Revelation 13 8, Revelation 17 8. They all talk about this. But, Doug, uh, you can't have a free will and be chosen. Why not? Is God not big enough? To be able to do what he says, even if I can't make them both fit together? Here's the deal in it. This whole thing, and this isn't the sermon here, okay? But this is so important in what's put in here because this is a sacred secret that leave in the hands of the Lord, And just know this, the scripture says God chooses. And we think choosing means better. Choose the better one. So what about the poor sap? Who doesn't? Listen, maybe God just has a whole other view of this whole thing. But the truth of the matter is scripture said God chooses that right here you are the chosen ones. And if you want to get a, 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 a pair of scissors and cut it out, you can do that. But I don't want to cut God's word up. And the scripture also says you choose. So I'm just going to leave it in the hands of God that he's big enough to handle it. Plus, when you understand this, it's like, put on then as God's chosen ones. You're not chosen because you're better. That would not be grace. You are chosen to serve. You are chosen to worship. You are chosen to give glory to God. And in that reality of it, that is an identity statement. I have been redeemed, set apart, given a new identity. And that includes God saying, you're one of my chosen ones, man. I don't deserve that, nor do you. But I'll tell you, that reality of having that statement on me goes, oh my word, really you chose me? I need to do what you tell me to do. And that means I need to be someone that puts on Christ's likeness because he tells me to do that. Listen, don't don't try and wrestle everything in your head so that you can understand every detail fully. This is a Deuteronomy 29, 29 thing. The secret things belong to the Lord. Don't reason God on some of these kinds of things. Just be good with what God says on some things. I think you know what I'm talking about. Chosen ones... Embrace the title and put on, and put on Christlikeness. The second title, holy. Holy doesn't mean perfect. Holy doesn't mean without sin. Holy means you've been set apart. It means to be graced out of something and graced to something. This is a position. You have an identity, chosen one. You have a position set apart. Uh, My set-apartness means I should be doing what the Lord calls me to do here. Uh, The third one, beloved ones. It's passive voice. That means you don't do the action. That means someone else does the action. And the context of the verse is clearly telling us that God is doing this action. Beloved, you are beloved by God. You are objects of God's special, unique love. Chosen ones, set-apart ones, beloved ones, put on Christ. Christ. That's what it's saying. Why put it on? Because of those reasons the text tells us. That's why envelop ourselves in Christ-likeness. So then what are we to put on? Well, just like last Sunday, there's an example list. Here we go, example list. Note it. uh, A couple notes before we dive into it. One, the example list has an emphasis on with the community of believers. These are things that you and I are supposed to do outside of these walls, if you will. But these especially have an emphasis on doing them together. This is a a community of believers emphasis uh, listing here. Also, the example list is referring to life traits, not just moments. These are things that are to characterize you and all. All of these are. (laughs) We go through the list, it's like, I did that once, and I'm probably going to do that again. No, no, that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about an example list of things that these should characterize you and I. These should be descriptions of how we do life and we're to put these on. Also, putting on, like putting off, is something that you do. It is an obedience issue.
1: It is an obedience issue. Chosen ones... Set apart ones,
0: beloved ones by the Godhead, choose to put these on. All of them. Choose to put them on. Here we go. Number one compassion. Compassion. We're in verse 12. Compassionate hearts. It means tender heartedness. It means having a heart of compassion. And by the way, the, the, the word in the history of it kind of carries from the, from the, literally back in, in that time, it was from within the bowels of you. It's from within the internal of you. You don't just do it because it's like crud, I have to. Maybe sometimes we do what's right and the feelings follow later. But but in it, ultimately, this is the kind of thing to where compassionate hearts are not just something you do here and there, and you do because you have to. Compassionate hearts are something that we are to do because it's within us. Because that's what Christ was. That's who Christ is. It's deep within you. It's from the seed of your emotions. It's not a sense of indifference to people. It's not a sense of dummy. It's not a sense of, uh, that's what you get. You brought it on yourself, dummy. Or even this, kind of like Job's friends. It's not a, hey, God is sovereign and he's trying to teach you
1: something. Suck it up. Where's the compassionate heart in that? That's not
0: what it's what we're supposed to do. And and I just ask as we're going through this list.
1: This genuine concern for others outside of yourself. Is that you? Is that you? I don't mean have you done that before. Is that you? Or to be honest about it at your core, are you just a cynical, angry bird? I also ask, does compassionate hearts characterize this church family? Reference point, Jesus Christ was compassionate.
0: Oh my, was he compassionate? Compassionate to the cross. One of my favorite texts talks about when Jesus is outside of the, kind of the perimeter of the city at Lazarus' death and, res- and bringing him back to life. Before he goes in, I think he's on the outside and he's just looking over the whole scene as people are weeping and wailing and they have no hope because Lazarus died and everybody's confused. And Jesus wept.
1: And I don't think it was a, you sad, stupid saps. I think it was an incredible compassionate, you poor sheep. Poor, poor sheep. And he steps in and he does something. Compassionate hearts, not because we
0: have to, but because we're in Christ. Second, kindness. It's mutual kindliness. It's goodness and generosity and genuine care. It's being a person with a gracious sensitivity to others. I ask, would kindliness be a trait that you, no, no, better yet, that your family
1: or your friends describe of you? They have a kindliness within them. They
0: live kindliness. I think of Jesus, Matthew 11. I am gentle.
1: My yoke is easy. He was kind to strangers and sinners.
0: He was kind to the ungrateful, and he was kind even to the wicked. Even in his confronting of sin, he was kind in doing it. Compassion, hearts, kindness, humility, having a right view of self before God and others. I'm all about having a right view of self because Scripture says we're to have a right view of self, but the way we talk about it in our world today is not the way Scripture talks about it. It's having an appropriate lowliness of mind, it's seeing yourself rightly. And do know this it's not self loathing. Oh, I'm
1: such a loser. (laughs)
0: Hey, listen, if you've been raised with Christ and where Christ is, get off of that self-pride. Humility is seeing yourself rightly in it. It's not self-loathing and it's not self-loving. And humility checks our incessant quest to attain honor and our incessant quest to attain prestige. Humility brings that in. I love it again. and I brought it up earlier. Romans 7, Paul says, it's like, man, I want to do what's right, but it's like, I can't do what's right. love that. Because he's in need. And yet he's on purpose. I love Philippians chapter 3. Paul talks about it was like, hey, if anyone can brag about themselves, especially with religion, I can brag about it because he gives this list. I was this and this and this and this and this. But then later he says, listen, all I want to do is I just want to know Christ because he went face down on the road to Damascus and he saw himself rightly before the Lord and God was using him amazingly. I think if Christ is humble. Oh my goodness, Philippians chapter two, humbled himself out of heaven and came to save our poor selves. Meekness, meekness, power under control. I wasn't able to see the Kentucky Derby yesterday, but those horses are something else. I mean, uh, I like horses, but they scare me to death. I'll admit it, sissy man. And the reason is you could just go up and you go like, you have more muscle in one thigh than I have in my whole body. And you could so take me out. And I mean, they're powerful and they're strong and and, and they're just like amazing animals. And yet at the Kentucky Derby, man, that is power under control. That's what meekness is, power under control. It's courtesy with a gentle willingness to make allowance for others. I could maybe use my power, but I'm not. Because it's about you. You're willing to suffer injustice rather than inflict it back. back. Jesus was meek. Boy, talking about power under control. Colossians chapter one, the creator of everything. He made all things, holds it all together. It's all for him. And yet they were beating the living life out of him, carrying down the Via Dolorosa, hanging him on a cross, mocking the one who made every cell in their blasted body. And at any moment he could have fried them all. Boy, talking about power under control. That was meek. Patience. Boy, I hope he goes through this one fast. Patience. Being long tempered versus short tempered. Having forbearance, forbearance. Do you have
1: a short leash with people? Do you have a short leash with people? I mean he, she. They messed it up. They're out with me. My spouse. kids, My kids. Coworkers. Yikes. Short leashes. Easily irritated. Patience. Impatience means you don't allow people to fail. Do you allow people to fail? You need to. Because you're not perfect and they're not perfect. By the way, reminder, Matthew chapter 7, how you measure others, you will be measured. Be careful. Wow,
0: Jesus was patient. I mean, think of how patient
1: Jesus is with you and me. And yet how irritated I get with people. I mean you. I mean we. Right? Right? Really, right? Got to keep moving. Next two. There's an
0: aspect of these where these two are kind of um, um, how we live out the prior five. Bearing with one another. It literally means to hold back. To hold back with one another. It's to put up with one another. It's to be tolerant with one another. I like this. It's mutual enduring one another. (laughs) And this is talking about Faith family reality. It's like, what you, mean? you mean we have to mutually endure one another? That's right, baby. We do. We have to mutually endure one another. I tell you, it's amazing that we uh, kind of saved by grace people can so excel at not bearing with one another. We're to put on bearing with one another. Compassion is shown in bearing with. Kindness is shown in bearing with. Humility comes out of bearing with. Meekness comes when we bear with. Patience is bearing with. Man, how the Godhead bears with you and I. And then one more, forgiving one another, the text tells. It's literally the word means to be gracious. That's literally what the word means. It has this idea of mutually giving forgiveness, mutually giving grace to one another. Someday we'll have more teaching on the forgiveness thing of it because uh, uh, repentance and forgiveness are a part of it. There's some weak teaching on forgiveness today. I mean, how rare is repentance taught? How rare is the full circle of forgiveness brought about? The text tells us,
1: forgive as Christ has forgiven you. I would encourage you to think, what does that look like? We can oftentimes act surprised when people sin. That's just bad
0: homardiology. That's a theological word for how we biblically understand the heart. Hey friends, I want for you to know, I sin. Okay? On the table? And so do you. And yet in churches so often, it's just like, (gasps) (gasps) I can't believe the pastor sinned. I can't believe someone in our church sinned. Can you guys believe that? Yeah, I actually can. Forgiving one another. It's listen, it doesn't mean freedom to just sin, it has this idea of grace with each other. It's like we understand we're all in this together and we're pursuing towards righteousness together in it all, forgiving one another. And the text tells us, if one has a complaint against one another, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you. Oh, may we be that, right? May we be that. Harvest, I want to thank you for being that kind of a church. I think so many of these things are us, but more of it. That's what warriors do. More of it. More after it. Look at verse 14. Verse 14. And above all of these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Wrap it in love. All of what was just laid out, wrap it all in love. Because you know what? You you can be kind to someone, uh, not in a loving way. You know that? I'm going to be kind to them because mom told me I had to be kind to them. Not too much love in
1: that. I'm going to bear with them because... I don't know why. Because they don't deserve my bearing with them right now.
0: No, love. Dudes, thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving each other. More of that in us. By the way, have you seen the love that goes on when military people are together? And oftentimes love, that sounds so unmanly. No, no, no. Go to the Marines and watch them around each other. Go to the Guard, watch them around each other. Man, they love each other to death. More of that, more of that. Now, here's the deal. A few minutes left. And it's common in the teaching of put off and put on to stop right there. But but the paragraph has... I think three more really important things for us to keep in mind. Whenever I've heard this taught, it stops right there. When I've taught it in the past, it stops right there. But, but this week, there are three statements that are made that are huge with this putting on. Let's take a look at it. Verses 15, 16, and 17. Uh, uh, by the way, this group, what, what, what was your thing to say? Okay, we're on you. Here we go. Verse 15, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body being thankful. Peace of Christ. By the way, this isn't some inner decision-making Yoda, Zen-like mystical peace thing going on. This is the Philippians 4, 7 thing, oh, page over. Uh, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is a peace that comes out of being secured in God. It's peace with God, it's peace with others, it's peace with life, because you have a biblical, redeemed view of life. It's not a feeling first and foremost thing. Whereas before I was lost from Christ, separated from Christ, confused, condemned, now in Christ, peace. Peace with Christ. And look at the text, it says, let it rule. Let it. That means allow it. Don't just know it, let it. Let it rule. Let the peace of Christ rule. Let it be the arbitrator. Let it give the verdict. Let it control like an umpire. You're out there. You're out. (laughs) The the peace is the one that comes in and has the final say in it. It's the umpire. Peace of Christ is the supreme thing here on the table at the moment. The preservation of communal peace of Christ. May that be given. Oh, how many churches are fussing and fighting and and, and bickering with one another. Where's the peace of Christ? And sometimes it's like, just put away your preference, put away your thing, and let the peace of Christ rule. Let his thing rule. Let, let, Let that be the deal. And be thankful in it. Gratitude flows out of peace, and peace is strengthened when gratitude
1: is expressed. Verse sixteen. And let the word of
0: Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs of thankfulness in your heart to God. And let the word of Christ dwell But the word of Christ, well, the word of Christ, the word spoken by Christ, the message of Christ, how do we know what that is? This. This is what's being talked about because this tells us what Christ said. This tells us the gospel. This is what is to be supreme. Let this dwell here, dwell in. By the way, not dwell like a book on a shelf, but allow it to have the central force that govern where it dwells. Let this not sit on a shelf. Let this be the governing force here, friends. This is it. The word of God. It dwells here. It controls here. It's the power here. It, it, it's, it's what's behind everything here. And we're to do it richly. We're to do it in all wisdom. And we're to teach it. Presently, actively, continuously teaching it. Presently, actively, continuously imparting it on one another, pressing it into one another, applying it into one another. That's the call. The peace of Christ rules where the word of Christ dwells. The peace of Christ rules where the word of Christ dwells. Oh, may it dwell here in third and last. Verse 17, and whatever you do, In word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus,
1: giving thanks to God the Father. And let the name of Christ compel.
0: What's compelling us here? Oh, may it be the name of Jesus.
1: What's driving us here? Oh, may it be the name of Jesus.
0: Whatever you do, word or deed, in the name. Our identity is in the name. Our position is in the name. Our orientation is not a code. Our orientation is about the name. Be Christ-like. It's all about the name. We are under the name. We are representatives of the name. We're living for the glory of the name. Put on the name.
1: Let it compel. Let it compel. Put off, put it to
0: death. Put on, wrap it in love. And let the peace of Christ and the word of Christ and the name of Christ. Okay, here we go all together. Ready? Because we're going to do this a few times, by the way. All right? By the way, Gladiator warriors, when they're heading for war, they aren't mamsy pamsies. Okay, warrioresses, no womanzies. Pam, I don't know how to say that. <laughs> Gladiator warriors. Here, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna kind of work it through a little bit more, okay? Because I'm gonna, we're gonna work with this last group. We've got to get filled out. In Christ, you have a new identity, new position, and new orientation. Okay, we're, we're gonna. Okay, hold on. I forgot. Okay, we're gonna build this out a little bit more. We're kind to kind of say it together right now. Go again. Therefore, let's put off. Put it all away. And let's put on. Wrap it all in love. Now, what's the first let? Look in your notes. And, and let the piece what? Uh, what okay and let the peace of christ rule that's what you're saying ready go and let the peace of christ rule okay you're, we're coming back center they're like you took our next two and away okay we're all in this okay what's what's the next one and let what and let the peace of christ rule. okay okay we're getting it. we're good there okay what's the third and let Let's just kind of slow one more time. In Christ, we have a new identity, new position, a new orientation. Therefore, let's put off. Put it all away. And let's put on. Wrap it all in love. And let the peace of Christ rule. And let the word of Christ dwell. And let the name of Christ compel. More of that in us, right? Okay, here we go. We're going to do it Twice. All out, and here's the deal. You're standing when your section says it, all right? We are doing the wave. I'm trying to remind something, okay? Do something, you don't forget this. Because friends, if we are this, if we are this more and more over the coming days, weeks, months, years, oh, the glory to Jesus. Could you imagine if this place was filled with compassion, and kindness and all of those things and bearing with and forgiving one another. Can you imagine how this place would be so different than anywhere else on the west side of Indianapolis. I pray other churches are like that too but I'm just, we're talking about us right now. May we be more of that. Okay, so we're going to do it with passion and when it hits your section, watch me point alright, and, and we're going to go. Ready? If you're new by the way Bless your heart, you're never coming back. <laughs> I have been given a new identity and a new position and a new orientation in Christ. Therefore, Put it all away. And Wrap it all in love. Amen. By the way, by the way, last time we do it, all out, all on the table, the kids have to hear us. That's the goal.
1: All right? Here we go. In Christ. In Christ, we have been given. A new identity and a
0: new position that leads to a whole new orientation. Therefore, let's put off. Oh, let's put it all away let's wrap it all in love. And let, the peace of rule. let it rule. And let the of Christ dwell. Let it dwell. And let the name of Christ propel. Lord God, I pray that that would be a reality in an increasing way here that our identity and our position and our call in you, that we would be a people that knows we're sinners saved by grace. That we would be a people that is putting off and putting off together. Oh God, less of that and more of putting on. Oh God, may we not be naked Christianity. May we not be just a put off legalistic place that you can't do, can't do, can't do, can't do. But oh Lord, may we be a clothing in you people. May we be thankful. May that just spring out of us. We want to put on Christ-likeness because there's nothing better than that. Oh God, we need your help. Oh, Lord, we need your help. And I pray a fervor within us would be real. Because when we put off and we put on and we let and we let and we let, what we are doing is boasting in your name. Oh Lord, may we boast in the name of you and we sing about it. In Christ's name we pray, amen.